The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Come Over, our intro this season. Going to be running through your minor league pitcher awards, similar to last week where we gave out awards to the top hitters in the minor leagues. Going to be giving out your awards by level on the pitching side. Definitely some interesting picks. But first, you know, I was kind of surprised with Moncada's struggles. I thought... I thought if they called him up, they had to feel somewhat confident about his ability to handle 
breaking pitches off speed, but of course those seven straight strikeouts uh, led to a day off. I still think he'll be great long term, but uh, anything with Mankato or other September call up surprise you at all to this point? Uh, you know, I I I definitely don't take back what I said about Mankata, like having the chance to win people leagues uh, when he got called up, but I also am not super surprised that he's he struggled like this just because you know he was struggling big time with uh strikeouts at double a before the call-up i mean i think he was getting a pretty steady dose of of off-speed stuff uh down at double a and and pretty much any pitcher that's got a solid uh fastball breaking ball combo can strike him out right now mm-hmm. as long as they know how to sequence and to me i i wonder if the Red Sox don't take a look at this, uh, Travis Shaw has been, been a lot better of late, you know, they've already added Mancada. So, I mean, there's, he's going to stay up, but I mean, I, I wonder if Shaw doesn't kind of emerge over the final month as just kind of a more steady option for them because they don't really need a ton no. offensively from that position. I mean, they weren't getting anything from it before they called it Mancada up, but, uh, Especially you, from you, a platoon, type of bat right you'd at least like to have some some competitive at bats and you know even if even if Moncada is not playing it maybe maybe starts two or three days a week uh he's still plenty valuable as a, as a pinch running option uh maybe a pinch hit option he can he can play a bunch of uh positions defensively so uh you know it's it's not looking like he's gonna finish the year uh, on a high note, but that uh, that kind of creates a bit of a buying opportunity, I suppose, in, in single-season leagues next year. Uh, another guy, though, that I, I do want to touch on who is really kind of getting into a groove, and it just makes me so happy to see, is Byron Buxton. Uh, yeah, it is great to see. I am really, really loving what I'm, what I'm seeing from Buxton right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think the time's probably passed when you could buy – low uh at least you know significantly lower than he he would have been priced at coming into the year but um for owners that were patient enough to to hold on to him in in dynasty leagues i think you're you're going to start reaping the rewards come next season yeah i I definitely am encouraged by what we've seen i had a buddy who went to a game in minnesota just randomly he was at the buxton game where he hit the grand slam so that's pretty cool i gotta get up there and see some of that young talent did you see when he he scored from second on the the uh infield or the the ground there's a ground ball um miguel sano and it was like a a throw that took the first baseman off the bag sano ended up being safe at first and and buxton came all the way around to score from from second uh, without it being thrown away which was which was pretty crazy yeah definitely a very very exciting player to watch but yeah mancata struggles uh yeah maybe not ending on a high note but that narrative could switch always i mean maybe they're I know they seem pretty set on him being on the strong side of that third base platoon. Maybe they give him some more opportunities. Could turn around. It was a small sample. But we've seen not only with Mankato, guys that's like Bregman too, uh, coming up and having some initial struggles. Do you, do you still think, you know, we saw a lot of guys bypass AAA level, the AAA level this season. Do you still think AAA is a necessary step for some of these prospects? Or do you think we'll continue to see uh, top prospects skip that level? I don't think it's that necessary, and that that actually kind of ties in with the article uh, we're going to discuss. But um, you know, pitching, you go go look at the pitchers that are in AAA right now. It's it's pretty pathetic, honestly. I mean, they 
pitchers are getting pushed through AAA really quickly, especially the, the high-end arms, uh, sometimes skipping AAA altogether. Uh, you're just not – it's just not a, a high quality of, of pitcher they're facing when they're at AAA in most cases. So I don't I don't see it as a, a big issue when a team decides that a guy's ready to skip trip, uh, skip AAA. Bregman, to me, I, I feel like that was his issues were kind of more just bad luck than, than Mancata's were. Um, yeah, he did, of course, make a quick stop at AAA. Right. Just to uh, clarify. Yeah, yeah. He played 18 games there. I don't, I don't think at any point Bregman looked outmatched. I think he was just kind of getting babbit to death. And, you know, now he's he's having a great year or since he's been up. If you just look at his, his overall numbers, mm-hmm. um, the power continues to play for him. Mankata, I think, was just kind of a, an interesting case where, you know, and, and this is sort of, you know, when when you have a prospect that's just all kinds of toolsy, like a, like a Buxton or a Trout or a Mancata, those are the guys that typically can can really struggle initially, and you'll you'll see like their first you know whatever hundred plate appearances don't look great, and it, it sometimes takes a while for those guys. Bregman and and your Benintendi's of the world are kind of more on the polished side, and and those guys I think can can usually make quick adjustments and and be fine right away without without having those prolonged uh, periods of struggling. Yeah, because those those raw, not necessarily raw, but uh, those guys with so much raw talent haven't really had to make adjustments at right. any levels before. So uh, once they have finally have to do that, a bit of a learning curve. But I think uh, most of these guys we've talked about will be okay. We'll dive into your article, though. Farm Futures MILB Pitcher Awards. Ch- check out the full Farm Futures series you don't have a subscription rotowire.com slash pod for free 10-day trial great work throughout the year james and we're going to be uh, again recapping some of the top pitchers in the minors starting with josh Hader of the brewers the guy we saw in the fall league last year looked really really dominant outstanding start to the year but did have some struggles after making the jump to colorado springs of course tough pitching environment but what uh, about his adjustments really uh, led you to believe he'll be just fine you know he hasn't he hasn't had to make too many adjustments. Uh, I think he, you just have to kind of throw out the numbers when you're kind of looking at what he's done at AAA and, and especially throw out the, the home numbers. Um, you know, 4-5 ERA, one three four whip, 54 strikeouts and 38 innings on the road. That's actually, I mean, you'd like to see the ERA come down a little bit, but it's also it's a small sample size. I mean, 54 strikeouts in 38 innings for a 22-year-old in, in the Pacific Coast League is, is awfully yeah, impressive. Play. So, you know, I, I think people will look at his overall numbers and just kind of be discouraged, but you have to look at the, the whole picture. I mean, he's 22 years old. This is the first time he's been at that level. Um, he's been kind of, you know, not pushed super aggressively, but, I mean, it's he's, he's, he's kind of climbed through the ranks pretty quickly here mm-hmm. and – uh, I think just the fact that he he does look like he's poised to be a big part of that rotation at some point next year says a lot about uh, what kind of year he's had. I think this this was more kind of a tip of the cap to Hater's year than to say that he's been overwhelmingly impressive at AAA. The fact is there just weren't a ton of picture. I I wasn't um, considering guys that were in the big leagues. Uh, because you, you already know all about them, and there just weren't a ton of other pitchers at AAA that I could really make a case for here. So uh, it was kind of more of just a, a season-long award for, for Hader here. Yeah, well-deserved. Do you think maybe by this time next year, maybe not officially named, but we're going to be looking at Hader as kind of the de facto ace of this Brewers staff? 
Uh, this time next year, you know, there's there's definitely a handful of names that could be kind of in that mix. I, I don't I don't even know if they're gonna have a de facto ace. If there was a guy that I I could see doing that, it would be Hater probably. But I mean, they're gonna have you know Willie Peralta's looked a lot better of late. Uh, Jimmy Nelson's obviously gonna be around. Zach Davies I think has had a, a better year than a lot of people expected. Uh, Junior Guerra obviously better year than than anyone expected. Um, you know, I think you're going to see Brandon Woodruff, uh, get his way into the big league rotation at some point next year. Uh, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of guys that are going to be shuffling guys kind of in and out, uh, all season long. I think haters got the, the most upside of that entire bunch though. Very interesting. Yeah. I, f- I forget about a lot of those guys and I even have like Davies on, on a couple teams. He's been quietly pretty solid in, in a lot of formats. We'll move on to most improved. You got Jarrell Cotton of the A's who just made his debut yesterday i was getting a kick out of some of your notes right you wrote um like trout and Pujols. just you know the angels trotting out there <laughs> the junior varsity did you squad. see that lineup yeah it was like, terrible it was like i haven't seen oh. a lineup that bad like and then you like two hit mlb team right? like they, it was it was cole calhoun and like andrelton simmons was leading off cole calhoun was in the two hole i guess you mean cj crones had a had a solid year but i mean mm-hmm. After that, it was just a bunch of guys that honestly aren't even big league caliber no. in, in the vast majority of organizations. Unal Escobar was even off; what he was hurt. So, I mean, that's three of their Same. four best hitters out of the lineup. Yeah, uh, he allowed just two hits. Right. Predictably, he had a strong debut. I, I mean, that that's kind of what I, I said that on Twitter. I mean, like this is awesome for Cotton. I mean, I, if I was a team, I'd want my pitching prospect to always have this kind of a big league. Uh, lineup to turn over in his first go around because you're you're probably going to end with a pretty solid experience and he had that but i just think people need to realize what he was facing um didn't I, what do you have like two strikeouts three strikeouts three he wasn't, strikeouts two walks yeah i mean he wasn't overpowering i think he was just kind of taking advantage of the fact that it wasn't even really much of a step up from what he'd been facing in the pcl and you know he's that's not to take away from cotton though i mean he's had a an excellent year uh, if you'd you know, asked me this time last year I would have pegged him as a reliever for sure just based on the fact that he's five five feet eleven uh and he you know control has been kind of a, an issue at times but you know he's athletic he's he's not a skinny guy he's not he doesn't have a slight frame so he's not a uh you know your Dono Ventura type um so I think that he could probably withstand the um you know, the big league calendar. I mean, he, he's maybe more built kind of like a Marcus Stroman, uh, which is, which is a bit more encouraging, but um, you know, the strikeouts is, is probably what you point to. And I think you look at that A's rotation going forward, uh, they have a ton of young arms that are essentially big league ready, uh, but none of them really other than a guy like maybe Sean Manaya can kind of compare to Cotton's upside in, in the strikeout department. So if you're just kind of looking at that rotation heading into next year, He's one of the only guys that kind of stands out to me as someone uh, you know worth rolling the dice with. Yeah, I'm with you. And then they got Grant Holmes, AJ Puck, there in the minors too. Uh, future looking all right there in their rotation, but I do think, yeah, Manai and Cotton for, for next year especially mixed leagues, maybe with a, one of your final couple picks. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, could be a decent value. I think people are gonna. I think if you dig into the numbers a little bit on Manaya. I think people are going to be going to walk away pretty impressed with what he did in his first full season. It doesn't look that great necessarily on the surface, but I think uh, there's there's definitely some stuff you can point to to, to maybe think he might have a, a kind of a breakout year next year. 
and then Cotton's Cotton's kind of an end game type of guy who I don't I don't think you'll have to pay too much for. But you know, if he he could stick in that rotation all season long, and I think he's already up to you know I think he's what a, close to like 150 innings almost on the year, so he should be able to go about a buck eighty, buck ninety next year if he if he can stay healthy, and that that could be over 200 strikeouts. Yeah, and I think yeah the strikeouts alone will make me very interested with the. One of my final picks are dollar or two at the end, end game of an auction. Talked about a lot of those surprisingly uh, useful Brewers arms. One of the bigger disappointments, though, this year, Jorge Lopez. You've tabbed him as the biggest disappointment at the AAA level this year. And I know you were had pretty high expectations coming in. I know you're a Brewers fan, but I didn't, don't think that blinded you much with your evaluation. But what went wrong with, with Lopez? Uh you know, he. I, I think part of what kind of blinded me, I guess, was that he he only had that that one brief taste of the big leagues last year, and and I thought he looked excellent in that that start. Uh, I thought mechanically he looked looked really solid, and uh, kind of backed up, I guess, in my mind, what he'd been doing all season at, at Double A, and then this year, I mean, he just completely failed in his his first uh taste of triple a it, it was really kind of sad for him for a while it wasn't even just at colorado springs he actually had a, i think he had a worse era on the road than he did at colorado springs before they mercifully demoted him to double a uh he's been a lot better there obviously but i mean him he's already proven that he can handle double a so that's not you know a big deal obviously if he had struggled at double a then could almost kind of write him off going forward but I mean he's he's at least rebounded to to where he was last year he's on the 40-man roster so I I do think if he can master or at least you know hold his own in a second taste of the PCL he'll get a shot in that rotation just by being on the 40-man but um, you know I don't know what anyone could really point to to suggest that it will be necessarily better the next time around um, I'm not going to write him off at all, but I mean, I definitely, I thought he would be useful in mixed leagues for, for a good chunk of this season this year. And he didn't even make it to the big leagues. Yeah. And I mean, the walks when he was with Colorado Springs way up, I mean, right. 55, 79 in the third innings. I mean, that's, that's problematic. I mean, he, a lot of that's probably, you know, you're, you're in your own head a little bit mm. to the point where, you know, a lot of what you're throwing maybe isn't. Uh, breaking the way you'd like and people are just kind of teeing off on it so then you're you're kind of skirting around the zone and yeah I mean the the last thing you want to do I mean any any Rockies fan or anyone that's had a a team that plays in Colorado a lot knows that the the first thing you can't do is is walk guys and yeah he obviously didn't do that move on to double a most impressive Francis Martes of the Astros and you know the narrative was really the other way around early on in the season he was struggling mightily but really turned it around. You know, early on in the season, I took him with Final Buck in Staff Keeper League 2 during the auction. Um, and he was struggling big time early on. I, I had uh, some idea of trying to compete this year. I thought about dropping him, but really, really glad I did not. Because he's looking like a guy who could enter next year as, what, a top top 10, top 15 pitching prospect? Or is he there already? I mean, he's he's already, let's see, he's already in the top 10 for sure. Uh got him as the number five guy right now uh, behind just Giolito, Alex Reyes, Michael Kopech, and Jose De Leon. So, um, yeah, big fan of, of Martes, and, and you're right. He did. He got off to a slow start, which makes his, his end-of-season numbers look even more impressive. 
Uh, he was the youngest pitcher in the Texas League, which just kind of adds to how impressive that was. And you know, it's not a not a super easy place to pitch. I mean, a lot of a lot of talented hitters in that league. So, um, really, really impressive. Uh, love the fact that he he kind of got his, you know, he he showed some impressive command. I think that was one of the biggest questions come kind of coming into the year. At times, I think he would uh, lose his release point and struggle to hit his spots a little bit but you know with a he's got his fastball and his curveball are two potentially uh, plus plus pitches so his upside is is really close to the top of of a rotation in the big leagues and I think he's he's starting to look like I used to coming into the year I thought his downside was a a high leverage reliever I think now his downside is is kind of a number three starter so I, I think he's really kind of cemented himself as a as a part of that rotation long term he probably joins it at some point in the second half next year definitely definitely hope so because i think it's, it's tough to sometimes to to want to keep prospects among your 15 major league keepers you know mm-hmm. but i think he's kind of the the exception there we feel good about of course the the top prospects you usually cave and end up keeping them but uh those 15 spots are definitely valuable but for Marte's. Nine ERA through his first four starts and a three four four ERA in May, one four eight in June, four in July, two one six in April. So yeah, definitely finished strong and put together a really strong body of work overall. He's he's only six one, but pretty sturdy six one. You know, two twenty five. Yeah. Not not a big injury risk in your mind. Uh, you know he hasn't he doesn't have huge uh, workloads on his resume prior to this season um so i guess i'd like to i don't want to say that he's going to be able to handle a big league season until he actually does it but uh yeah i mean i'm not worried about the the frame at all in terms of of handling innings you mentioned brandon woodruff in passing earlier you named him the most improved at the double a level this season uh is he kind of a an arm that's being slept on too much right now uh maybe i i don't know I honestly don't know what people sort of think about him uh, across the industry because, you know, he's, he's not the type of guy that I think would, would crack any kind of mid-season lists. Uh, we don't have him in the top 100, but I think we have him – I have him somewhere in the top uh, 200. I mean, he, he should definitely be viewed in, in that light. I mean, he's owned in, you know, any any dynasty leagues I'm in where you can uh, make in-season pickups, he's owned. So – uh, I don't. I don't think he's being slept on too much, but I think single season players who maybe aren't as aware of the dynasty league aspect might not even know who he is. So uh, you should get to know the name. I mean, I, I obviously he kind of. I don't want to say he sort of fits into the Jorge Lopez mold of of a guy that I recommended last year, um, just based on on sort of what he did at Double A and the fact that I think he'll he'll get a shot in the rotation at some point next year. So hopefully I don't go go over to their own Brewers prospects, but I, I'm probably going to pump him up as someone that uh, will definitely make an impact in, in single-season leagues next year. Uh, he's got a mid-90s fastball, really excellent control and command. So I think he, he's probably more of a, a number three uh, starter long-term. Doesn't, doesn't quite have the, the upside of a guy like Hayter, but – uh, the big test is, is and I'm kind of interested to sort of see what they do. Like, are they going to send him to Colorado Springs at all next year? And if they do, you know, what is kind of what's he going to have to do there to show that he's ready? Because I just I don't know what you have to. I mean, obviously your your scouts will tell you if what the stuff's looking like, but 
it's just such a hard task to ask a pitcher to do like even a really really good one uh, to go there and, and be successful before coming up to the big leagues yeah i mean we, we talked a lot speculated about hater maybe bypassing triple a because uh just didn't really see a, a point in potentially you know harming his confidence to a significant degree and just uh there may not really be that much better competition there for him to have to uh, work against. I, I didn't really see that as a necessary step, but it seems like they're pretty intent on slow playing some of these pitching prospects in, in Milwaukee now. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think it's it's a fine um, strategy. I mean, it's it's kind of a, you know, are you for real? It's kind of like a reality check before you get to the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, like, can you go to Colorado Springs and – Take your not, lumps, and yeah. not like completely fall flat yeah. on your face like like Lopez did. I think Hater's proving that he can do that right now. Um, you know, he's had his struggles at home, obviously, but he's not necessarily taking those with him on the road. Uh, you know, any pitcher that profiles as someone who who could be a number three or number two starter in the big leagues should be able to go to any environment in the Pacific Coast League and at least kind of tread water. So, mm-hmm. uh, I definitely. Um, don't begrudge them sending their guys there. It's just, you know, it's probably one of those things that's kind of case by case too. Like what do, what do you think about a guy's makeup? Like you think he can handle struggling there and, and what's that going to do to him long-term if term, if he does, you know, I'm, I'm envious of you being optimistic about your team's prospects. I always just crap on the reds just because I've gotten in such a habit. Um, you know, I, I really thought we might get a look at Amir Garrett, but we'll have to wait. Seems like the Reds are are maybe slow playing some of these guys too, but uh, didn't really work with with Robert Stevenson. But we'll move on. Uh, biggest disappointment, Rob Kaminsky of the Indians. What was his big issue at the Double A level this year? He's just not missing bats, and you know, for for a guy for a lefty like that, who at one point was thought of as as maybe a mid rotation arm. I know, I know uh, the. The Indians got a ton of praise for that Brandon Moss trade they made with the the Cardinals. Um, they probably wouldn't make that trade again, I don't think. And I think the Cardinals are, are pretty happy with the way that one turned out. I mean, Kaminsky kind of looks like, you know, maybe he's a number five starter long term. I mean, he's he's still young, but he he should he should be missing more bats than he is. I mean, he, he only struck out. 20% of the hitters he, he faced at high A last year, which is kind of like borderline for a guy to be – um, you know, someone worth monitoring in dynasty leagues, and then this year just sixteen percent at at double A. So, uh, I'm he's not even really kind of close to the the Indians top ten discussion for me for for dynasty leagues, just because I just don't ever see him being more than a, a replacement level guy. Was this him taking this uh, award? I put that in quotes because obviously this isn't kind of award you want. But was did he win this in a landslide, or were there other candidates? Uh, there weren't a ton. Um, you know, and he wasn't even like I. I don't think I. I think I might have had him in the top two hundred coming into the year. But I mean, it, he wasn't a guy that I ever thought of as like a high upside guy. So it's not super surprising, I guess. Um, but there just weren't a ton of other uh, guys that sort of fit the qualifications here. High A level, most impressive, Eric Fetty. Uh, I mean, impressive kid, twenty three years old, all seasons, and still in the minors at Double A. But the results there were definitely strong. I mean, the whip a little higher than you'd like, uh, but missing bats, you know, at about a, a strikeout per inning clip. 
still, you know, may not have the upside of some of the other arms in that organization, but do you think he has maybe among the highest floors there? Uh, you know, I, I, I think I, you can make a case that he's a better prospect long term than, than Ronaldo Lopez. At least I'm, I'm a lot more confident in him sticking in the rotation long term uh, than than I am with Lopez. And he's he's 23, which is obviously kind of not what you want to see from a guy at high A. But he he's younger than that in in pitcher years. He missed obviously after he got drafted. He had the had Tommy John surgery, so he missed a good chunk of time there. So um, a lot you know younger in pitcher years than than his age would suggest. So uh, quickly got that that promotion to Double A, or not not quickly actually, but you know eventually got it. And you know if you look at his numbers at at high A, he uh, he had a, a four nine one ERA in April and a five oh nine ERA in May, and was still able to finish the year uh, with a with a two eight five ERA at high A. So that kind of just shows you how dominant he was over over a couple months before earning that promotion to Double A. Um, he's a guy that you know they they have a ton of depth. Um, AJ Cole, Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Austin Voth. Uh, guys ahead of him that could be options next year. Joe Ross hasn't even jo- rejoined the rotation uh, yet uh, since his injury. But, I mean, Fetty's a guy that they can probably afford to con- continue slow playing for another year, and then in 2018 he probably steps into their rotation. Interesting. Is he a guy you think maybe we see at the Fall League? Or does he have enough innings? I haven't seen actually their Fall League, so maybe that'll be. Is that coming in one of the – farms um yeah so uh, this is actually gonna be the last um article for a while uh just you know with the the season wrapping up i'm gonna get kind of a jump on some some off-season uh prospect stuff that's you know kind of not not article related but but stuff for the uh the draft kit next year and the magazine and everything like that um haven't really decided if i want to do a a preview article because it's going to be you know, Starting I, I soon, feel like right? a lot of the stuff that I'm going to say in the recap article when we come back is yeah. stuff that I would probably say in the preview article. Anyways, I don't I don't know if it really needs to. And then if you it's know that, that way, when you you know I don't want to say something about a guy and go out there and see him and then completely like say like hey scratch that whatever I yeah. just told you a month ago don't <laughs> don't don't act on that. Um, so yeah, I same think, with the other way around like. You just repeat the same thing you said. It just seems like confirmation bias, right? Know. So, uh, I I think I'm, you know, we'll, we'll we'll give you plenty of of AFL coverage when we come back from there, and we'll have some some uh, reports from from guys we saw live and everything like that. So uh, that'll be that'll be pretty extensive, and that'll be coming in the um, second week of November for you. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's like less than two months away. I'm getting pretty excited. Most improved at the high level, Luis Castillo. I feel like we talked about Castillo just recently, uh, but anything you want to add? Uh, no, he he just you know it's a, it's a really really barren farm system they have there in Miami, and he's he's the second best prospect to me uh, behind uh, Braxton Garrett, who they uh, took with their uh, first round pick this past year. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I think he's he's really emerged. He he used to be a reliever. Which is why if you you go look at his his Fangraphs or Baseball Reference page. He's been around for a long time, but he he didn't turn into a, a starter full time until 
uh, halfway through last season and to have come this far already is is very impressive he the strikeouts aren't quite matching the the arsenal yet he's got a 80 grade fastball uh, the secondary pitches are still kind of coming along but he's shown really good command so if he can just kind of if the change up can just take kind of a one step forward then i think you're looking at a potential mid-rotation guy now grant holmes you've named as the biggest disappointment at that level he was and is still higher on your uh, organizational prospect ranks then Jarrell cotton who you named uh, most improved at triple a but what is it about holmes that has uh disappointed you this year well I think he he was probably a borderline. I don't remember where I had him before the season, but he was probably a borderline top fifty guy coming into the year. Just a guy that you know really kind of looked like he'd be a, a potential number two starter long term. And it's it's really been uh, rough for him on the the control side. He, he's walking a ton of guys, and I think the the fastball is kind of straightening out a little bit on him too. And he's he's giving up uh, more hits than he did last year um i just i I think you can blame some of it on the the cal league and the fact that he just went to to stockton which is a a really tough place to pitch after after that trade uh, which kind of contributed to how how terrible his numbers look since that trade but there's also always when you kind of look at prospects getting traded at the deadline um there's always guys that get traded like right before the injury kind or the uh, industry sort of catches up to where their values kind of moved. And obviously the Dodgers would know better than anyone uh, what, what to, how to kind of project Holmes long-term. They may have just been able to move him here uh, while people still kind of viewed him as a potential number two starter with a, with a fairly safe upside or fairly safe um, floors, like a maybe number three, number four type. And now I wonder if, if maybe people don't kind of view him that way anymore. Um, I think there's there's got to be some more risk uh, factored in here than there was before that trade. So I, I just thought that he was, a, he was a guy that maybe by the end of the year could have moved himself maybe into the top 30, top 25 uh, on the, the prospect rankings and the fact that he's closer to 100 than than 50 at this point is uh just kind of evident of, of where his stock's at right now yeah you said something similar in your dylan tate blurb do you think the rangers you know got out ahead here too with with moving dylan tate to the yankees uh got out before a lot of the industry and the scouts around the league kind of caught on to uh you know maybe what dylan tate truly is you know, I think the industry had kind of come around to the fact that maybe he wasn't going to be that frontline ace type uh, starter that he was sort of projected as as possibly being in in the draft. But I wonder if the the Rangers may have just kind of realized he's not even going to be a reliable number three for us. He's probably going to be a if we if we want the velo to come back, we're probably going to have to move him to the bullpen. If if we don't want to do that, then he might he might just be a back end type. And I think they, they traded him at a point where teams and, and the Yankees obviously being one of them still thought that he had that, that kind of number three, maybe even number two upside. They could maybe squeeze that out of him. And maybe their scouts kind of told him something that, you know, we do this or that, and maybe we can help him realize that potential. I, I think that this, that, that trade definitely did kind of reek of one though, where the, the team trading him was selling a stock that, kind of in their mind wasn't ever going to be that high 
uh, ever again. Yeah, just kind of dumping, <laughs> dumping uh, a poor stock onto s- somebody else. But uh, so Tate, most disappointing at the low A level, biggest disappointment. We'll jump back up. Most impressive, Mitch Keller. And man, you look at that K to walk for him. Well, he sp- spent most of the year at, at low A. Did uh, looks like he made one start at high A before the end of the season, but. 131 strikeouts to 18 walks and 124 innings at the low A level. What's the repertoire looking like with, with Mitch Mitch Keller and the overall package? It's here? it's not. Uh, I don't think it's as dominant as the numbers suggest. I think he's got a a big a uh, quality fastball plus fastball uh, plus command, and then you know. I don't, I don't really think he has a plus secondary pitch, so I, I wouldn't quite project him to be a number two or, or an ace. But I think he's he's as safe of a, a low-level arm as, as you're going to find just based on the command and uh, the fastball, the frame. I mean, everything just points to him sort of being a, a mid-rotation guy at some point down the road and just kind of throw in the fact that the, the Pirates, I think, are, are really good at kind of – I don't know if they're, they're. I don't know if they're great at maximizing a guy's uh, potential and maxing out on a guy's ceiling, but they're really good at getting guys to the point where they're just quality uh, big league rotation pieces. And I think that they'll they'll do that again with Keller. Most improved Tukey Toussaint, who uh, you know would be consistently ranked higher on most other prospect lists I saw, but certainly respected your opinion. Uh, you're starting to come around a little bit with what you've seen, but you you note here that he is still among the riskier prospects in the minor leagues. Yeah, I just I wanted to kind of give him a a shout out for how far he's kind of come uh, in a year's time on the the control side. I mean, he he almost walked as many guys as he struck out last year. The K rate wasn't quite up to where you'd think it'd be given the stuff, and then he heads back to Low A Rome. Uh, for a second tour there, he still walked 71 guys in 132 innings, uh, but that was a, a big improvement from from what he did a year ago. And he got the K rate back up to almost a, a strikeout per inning. So it's just it's worth pointing out that he's he's a guy that's kind of trending in the right direction. He's making improvements. If we kind of see that next year again, he, if he makes further improvements, then. I think you can kind of start to buy in a bit more to him as a potential starter long term. If not, then I think that they won't won't mind using him at the back end of their bullpen. Yeah, they got a lot of arms in that system, a lot of high risk arms, and he may be uh, among the you know the, the the range of spectrums with this guy. Maybe the widest among any arm in the minor leagues, but. James, we'll move on. Thank you again for all the hard work throughout the season. Great stuff. Certainly appreciate all the time you put in for doing the show. We'll move on and grade Jay-Z. It's going to be controversial. I feel like this is one we've held off on. Maybe it's Probably just because, because we sensed the, the Because of the controversy. I we, mean, we saw that controversy, the cloud of controversy right. coming. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, if, if, if you, you know, I, I don't like, I'm, I'm kind of anti- uh, confrontational. I I don't really enjoy kind of getting into it with people. No, um, me neither. And you know, I just I kind of sense that if we if we graded out <laughs> Hova, that we might we might start to 
might kind of start to wonder what the other one was thinking necessarily. Yeah. Um, second guess. They lose some respect for me. Yeah, we might, <laughs> might second guess our friendship. And, it's um, you know, we'll, we'll Sometimes we'll you got to put it through a test, you know. I think Jay-Z <laughs> might be a test. Let me just... Let me just say where I'm coming from. I, I like Jay-Z a hell of a lot. Blueprint, you know, I say Supreme Clientele, my favorite album of all time. Blueprint's easy top five. But what I think about when I think about Jay-Z, you know, he's kind of faded from the limelight now a little bit, not making new records. But what uh, what has he done that's been that original in the game? You know, Blueprint, for one, was already was a ripoff of a, a KRS-One title. That is small, but... You know, really kind of bit, bit uh, biggie a little bit. Then had the nerve to bite the hand that feeds him a little bit, and and kind of uh, not rip Jay's uh, biggie, but you know the line about him being the best rapper. You know, I just, I just have some hesitations about naming Jay Z <laughs> one of the all time greats. He's probably up there, but I think the originality throughout his career has been a little underwhelming. You know, I think it's tough. It's tough to be, you know, if you if you come up in New York and you come up and you're coming after Biggie and after Nas, and those two guys are just pumping out like absolute fire before you. Mm. Like some people have that kind of originality, sort of gene in them, like like a you know, like an old dirty bastard or something like that, or like outcast. Super I mean, unique. Yeah. Some people have the, that kind of quality to them. Some people just don't. And they're really, really, really good at, at hip hop. And I feel like that's kind of where Jay-Z kind of came in. I mean, it's kind of like, a, you know, like if you're, if you're like an NBA player, um, I mean, are you gonna, and you play like shooting guard or something like that and you're really, really good and you're the, you know, prototypical size and everything. I feel like you're gonna inevitably kind of bite from Michael Jordan just because yes. like how how could you not? Like I mean yes. you're not gonna you're not gonna try to play your game in a way that's like not like Michael Jordan at all. You know, I just think because that's how you who you watch. Right. You know? And that's who the best that ever did it was. Yeah. So why would you try to, you know, re re uh, invent the wheel, I guess. Um yeah, so I, I think I think you can knock him definitely for the fact that he um you know, he he bit uh, some stuff from from a large collection of artists, though, and like not just Biggie. Yeah. I mean, like he he has a lot of Eric B and Rakim. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff there. I mean, he even um, you know, you know recyc- recycled some some Big Daddy Kane, some Nas, recycled some uh, some LL Cool J, you know, EPMD. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff. But I mean, I think he kind of puts it into a a package. Like, I mean, I think I think you can be like your whole you can be using stuff that other people like maybe did first but like to me like reasonable doubt and blueprint and black album are still uh incredibly um unique albums and just the way that they they kind of flow and um albums that i think anyone could would listen to and and consider classics so yeah they hold up i'll say that i've listened to some stuff recently that doesn't hold up so well but jay-z's stuff almost always holds up right and i think i think you have to um and I, we're gonna get into the grades and honestly if you'd asked me after after black album i would have had 80s all the way down here uh his recent stuff to me um i think that i mean there's some tracks i like 
on on all of his uh, recent albums but i mean i think that you know a lot of a lot of his albums since black album it's been kind of like a couple tracks here a couple tracks there a lot of it's kind of crap and a lot of the stuff he's done in terms of features has been crap i mean he's got a verse on a on a justin timberlake song uh holy grail that that is by far the worst jay-z verse i've ever heard and like maybe one of the worst verses i've ever heard ever um so i mean it's he definitely is is past his prime but if you just kind of look at that that run like from reasonable doubt to to black album i think that that's um a very 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 not only deep but uh pretty consistent run and i think i I mean i don't want to just kind of throw that out or, or sort of um you know, he, he used to be my, I mean, all full disclosure. I mean, Jay-Z is my favorite hip hop artist ever, and I'm not going to give him the highest grades I've given anyone ever, because I think that if you stick around as long as he has, inevitably you're going to lose a step and going to factor that in. But, Hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely biased myself when it comes to this one. Yeah. I like Jay. What do you think of this comp though? Cal Ripken. He's kind of the Cal Ripken of the hip hop game. Oh man. just Dude. a steady, oh, no. steady, reliable guy who's outshined oh, consistently no. by the new hot flavor. Oh, no. Flavor of the week. No. You don't how, about, agree? how about Hank Aaron? Okay, I guess. How about Hank Aaron? I just feel like, all right, so Jay, all right, <laughs> we're going to need these grades. Longevity 80, that's obvious. But Jay just, you know, I haven't seen a guy who's, as great as he is, just constantly get get kind of punked. What do you like, mean? Uh, on the, like when Eminem just totally just outshined him on his own track, for one. Nas, I thought, kind of crapped on him pretty hard, made him look pretty foolish for a while there. I know Jay-Z kind of ultimately came out ahead, but there's just been times where, you know, I also thought Beanie Siegel kind of outshined him sometimes. No, Beanie Siegel never outshined him. He did on a few no, tracks. I, I, I what, will what promise you that. What um, tracks? <laughs> <laughs> what is the song where they're like outside the club? Oh, um, you know what? I'm yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about. yeah, yeah. Off of I uh, thought Volume Beans, Two. Yeah, Volume Two was not that good either. I didn't think, but that Volume... Beanie track. I thought Beanie's verse was better in that song. Okay, I could actually maybe I could maybe go with you on that. Um, you know, look, I, I think there there's songs that there's songs that jay-z does with uh with biggie i mean brooklyn's finest where i think he holds his own i think i love the dough i think he he holds his own with biggie uh i mean it's if you okay like if you put eminem on, if you're jay-z you're like the the peak of your powers you're you're releasing blueprint the only uh feature that you're gonna have on the album is eminem you don't think eminem's gonna give you like the best verse you can possibly concoct like i mean it, it's kind of like you know you you get invited to like you know have dinner with the president or something like that like you're gonna dress as good as you possibly can and like the president is just gonna like put on what what he wears every single day and just go go down to meet you like you're gonna be like viewing that <laughs> it's a funny like, comp but it works pretty well i mean it, it's it's hard to and the the nas one you and i disagree with i mean i i could maybe see the case for saying that that nas um Nas beat him in that battle, but I don't. I don't think it was as one sided as as you do. But I'm I'm obviously biased, like I said. Look, uh, ether is still used as a word just for like destroying people. <laughs> yeah, he ethered them. Well, that was because ether was just the That's... the most harsh, brutal diss track of all time, and it really kind of 
put them on blast. It's also it's, it's kind of like a. Uh, I don't think Jay Z's ever. I mean, it's always been so easy for him. Like, I feel maybe that's maybe that's why I don't like the the Cal Ripken comp. Like, everything's just so easy for him. Like, maybe it's always bonds. been easy. Yeah, like the controversy, the cloud of controversy. Because there, like, but he's an all time. I feel great. like he he's his game isn't um, perfect for a, a battle rap scenario because it's just always like ever since he's been in the hip hop game, like everything's just come so easy to him. Mm-hmm. Like he he hasn't been. Uh, put in like uh, tricky spots, you know, where he's really had to dig deep. Nas was a guy who was extremely down on his luck at that point. I mean, before before still Matic, I mean, Nas was kind of the butt of jokes. I mean, QB's finest. Like, uh, I mean, Nas or what was the one after Nostradamus? Or maybe it was Nostradamus. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Um, I mean, I, I think Nas was really that was like a big. That was a home run swing there by by Nas to to come at Jay Z, and I feel like Jay Z was just kind of like, all right, whatever. I'm I'm in the middle of of recording this classic album. I'll throw you a, a diss track. Takeover on it. But was like, great. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I just love the. I mean, I, I think you you factor in. Well, let's just get to the grades. All right. Lyricism forty five. Look, I'll just say too. Watch the throne, and I even thought American Gangster was pretty good. Yeah, but uh, aside from that, I haven't heard much lately. But lyricism, forty-five. Yes, I'm going to forty-five here. You got a sixty-five. Look, there's just nothing. The rhyme schemes are fine. It's it's consistent. It's Cal Ripken like, but it's I, not. I'll throw eighties. Doesn't stand out. I'll me. throw eighties on on pretty much every track on Reasonable Doubt. I'll I'll throw eighties on on a lot of the the tracks on on Black Album, and uh, some of the tracks on Blueprint. And then I feel like in most of his his albums before uh, or before I guess Kingdom Come I feel like there were at least a few tracks where he was bringing uh, 80 lyricism but then like I said I had to I had to knock it for for some of his recent work I mean Watch the Throne he definitely gets gets owned by by Kanye yeah. I think on that album but I mean that's that's kind of like you know if you asked um you know Miguel Cabrera and Mike Trout to kind of com- combine forces or something mm-hmm. like that I mean one of them's like right in his prime. One of them's you know still pretty solid, but not yeah. not the best uh, player on the planet. So I mean, I think that's that's tough to kind of hold him to Kanye's standard there. Um, for yeah. flow, you you were a bit more kind, but still still we were a little bit of, a little bit apart. Yeah, reasonable doubt flow and blueprint. I'll give those eighties, but then it just kind of gets. I also blame him for Ja Rule being a thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I just kind that's... of blame him for bringing him onto the scene. Also, a mill that whole the Rock La Familia album wasn't very good. It no. kind of t- that era, you know, what two thousand one. The problem two? with okay, well, the problem with the Rock La Familia album was that he let other people rap on it who yeah. weren't even close Memph to his. Bleak? Like he let Emil and Memph Bleak like rap all over that album, yeah. and like even I know you made a good point about that one song, Beanie Siegel, uh, being better than Jay Z on, but I feel like the rest of that that. Rock La Familia album was you'd listen to the Jay Z verse and you'd be like, Oh, this this song's tight and then like it would just really just fall off a cliff. Um I gave him a seventy five for flow. I just I think, you know I mean, has anyone ever really had that that confident of a of a flow other than maybe like Tupac? Um, you know, just just in extreme confidence. Uh really really good at picking out what beats he wants to rap over the beats that kind of like fit uh his style and 
I feel like that sort of helped him in, in the flow department as well. And, you know, I mean, I think, I mean, how many, I mean, Jay-Z's got like a ton of, you know, big time fans, people that would, would call him their favorite artist of all time. He's just got so many uh, lyrics that are easy to kind of recite. Like if, if you're really into like an album or a song, like you can, you can really kind of pick up on, on what he's saying. It's not really hard to distinguish where he, where he's coming from, but I mean, it still sounds really authentic. I think. Yeah. And it is tough because I, if you drew a line at a certain point in this career, yeah, I'm probably with you. I'd probably have it close to eighties across the board, but uh, maybe I am, you know, tainted. These numbers are tainted a little bit, but you're you're a hater. Admit it. No, I'm not a hater. <laughs> I got an eighty swag. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, he's got yeah. Beyonce. He's got a ton of swag. Yeah, we don't have to talk much about. We don't have to talk about swag. We don't have to talk about longevity. Uh, impact. I gave him an eighty just because. I mean, I think he's he's probably the most recognizable um, rapper of all time, probably mm, based yeah, on. Maybe. Well, I mean, I guess. The fact that he's been really an, an a true like A list celebrity probably since uh since like ninety eight to now and the fact that he you know, he did he did bring Ja Rule upon us and <laughs> he did he did let Memphis Bleak make a, a lot of songs. Um but I mean he also Yeah, uh, and who did who he, he sign to Def Jam that's any good? I mean, he he pretty much oh, made no. Kanye. Um, well, yeah, Kanye, but he uh He's also probably, you know, you look at this like new generation of rapper, like I, I wonder if you ask them like who's your favorite rapper is, I wonder how many of them would say Jay-Z. I feel like it would be an awful an awful lot. I mean, Jay J Cole, he he found um, But how many rappers out there are, like trying to or biting Jay-Z's style now? I feel like if you're just a car- carbon copy of Jay-Z at this point, you're, oh, you're not going to stand dude, up. Dude, but people think of, there's a ton of hip-hop songs from like the, the 2000s where they would just sample a Jay-Z line and that would be the hook. That's true. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think he's he's really crossed over, I think, a lot in terms of, you know, not just being uh, famous in hip-hop circles, but also, uh, you know, this, this nonsense with, with Justin Timberlake, obviously. I mean, he did stuff with Linkin Park. I mean... I think he deserves a lot more respect than just being Beyonce's husband, <laughs> which I think, you know, I see people on Twitter bust that out. It's like, come on. Even if I have some reservations about his recent music, I still still got to respect Jay. He yeah. is kind of the godfather now in hip hop. Yeah. Calling the shots for Def Jam still, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, he, he uh, has his whole, you know, title thing. Um that I'm sure he's making a ton of money off somehow. Still owns part of the Nets, right? Uh, I think he had to get rid of that. Sell well, that. he's got the he's got his agency business, which is oh, why right. he had to get rid of his shares in the Nets. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. I mean, he's doing big things. I give him a lot of respect. Definitely not hating, hating hard. Great legacy, but maybe, in my opinion, steady, consistent guy who was outshone uh, at a lot of steps throughout his career. Overall, I got a 65. You got an 80. Your favorite artist of all time, huh? Over Biggie. I'm still yep. Ghost all the way, but I, I hear you. I'm Biggie, all, or I'm I'm Jay Z all the way. Uh, Supreme Clientele is my favorite album of all time, but I, I mean, if I was doing a top ten, I'd probably have three Jay Z albums. In there. Ro- uh, Reasonable Doubt your favorite. Um, I think Blueprints. A little I think better, but I think Black Album's honestly my favorite. I think I think Reasonable Doubt's his best. 
uh, like if you were to just look I at it. I love the flow on that. Critically, that like I think there's, it's hard to say Reasonable Doubt's not his best. I think Black Album's my favorite just because of kind of, uh, you know, when it came out, it just, just sort of meant a lot to me. And I, I think it, it holds up as good as any of his albums if you just want to go back and, and listen. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely my favorite rapper of all time. I'm glad we got to grade him on. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, is this going to be... We don't have a sponsor right now, so this is no. going to be our last pod probably for a little bit. Probably for a little bit, yeah. I mean, one for the Fall League, maybe one previewing the Fall League or something. Maybe checking in occasionally, but yeah, yeah, we, this will probably be we'll, it for the weekly pods for the time being. Yeah, we'll probably do a, a preview pod for the Fall League. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks for listening throughout the year as well. Talk to you soon. So you own your own business. Got small ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Got medium ambitions for this business? Of course you don't. Who has medium ambitions? You got big ambitions. If you're a growing business with big ambitions, you want to grow with Granger. Granger has the products, the services, and more importantly, the commitment you need. Total commitment. If you're a growing business, Granger's got your back. Call clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.